Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. But again, if you don't know, you don't even know the questions to ask. And again, that doesn't matter your age, right? And so it's really important to have that kind of um, basis of, of toolbox, right? I mean, and, and so that's why that type of hunter education and hunter safety is so important. And there's a lot of barriers to learning that stuff. If you're You're listening to the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 112, Filling in the Hunter Education Gaps. Now this week I'm going to be talking with Joel Strimling about his role as a hunter education instructor and hunting mentor. Joel is an adult onset hunter, self-described adult onset hunter. He's also a hunter education instructor for the Oregon Department of Fish and Wild Game and the communication director for the Oregon chapter of BHA or Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Throughout this episode, you're going to hear both of us discuss the importance of in-person hunter education, the value of finding a hunting mentor, and why the Oregon chapter of BHA has stepped in to help new hunters during this increased time of online learning. We're also going to touch on why Joel started hunting, of course, and how others perceived him turning into a hunter. And then also some of the barriers that he and other new hunters face as well. This is a good conversation with two passionate hunters, two passionate hunter education instructors from complete opposite ends of the country. So I hope you enjoy. On the line now, I have, as you heard in the introduction, Joel Strimling. Joel, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, we've had some discussions through Facebook of all all places, and then uh, we've sat here and talked for almost a solid 15 minutes about some different things. I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, But the first question that I think, uh, the first topic we need to talk about is that you're an adult onset hunter which is not like me at all. <laughs> you know, I grew up I grew up in a hunting family um, wanting to hunt, I mean, from as long as I can remember, not at the time, not having a mentorship program in Pennsylvania, I wasn't allowed to hunt until I was 12. So the excitement was building uh, from the time I was nine months old with, you know, posing in a picture with my dad uh, with his first buck after I was born, uh, all the way up until I got to hunt. And now, it, you know, that passion has just continued to build. Uh, so I guess my first question for you, the first topic is like, as an adult, why did you decide, hey, I want to get involved in this type of activity? Yeah. And, and, and that, I mean, it's a great question. It's one I've certainly gotten. It's a bit like stepping in a puddle and realizing your foot's all of a sudden wet. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I grew up in an outdoorsy family. I, I, I should add, it's not like I lived in, you know, a big city in a high rise or something of that nature. Um, you know, I fished and crabbed and clammed my whole life and, and uh, loved fishing, was a huge kind of addict uh, of fly fishing, mostly for salmon and steelhead and, and just loved providing for friends and family. And, and as I got older and, you know, and people would kind of be so amazed about, uh, you know, the fish I could bring and, and this amazing wild food, um, you know, I got, I got more involved in it and more involved also in, in kind of the, the the fisheries and some of the conservation, which we'll go over. And then, um, uh, yeah, I sort of started just having these ideas like, hey, I want to be better understanding of the rest of my food. Like, you know, I do this one aspect, but what about other sources of meat and protein, you know? And and if I, if I can't do it, that's okay, was my thought, but I sort of want to know. Like, I wasn't going to suddenly become a vegetarian, I guarantee you. <laughs> um, but I at least wanted to know what it was about 
have my hand in it. Um, I, you know, my dad, I owe a lot to him and then he always definitely told me to be involved with whatever I did and understand it at least. So he had an understanding of it. And so it was sort of one of those things, even though none of the rest of my family on my immediate family hunts, I have a couple uncles in, in Michigan do, but um, no, I'd never been hunting, no concept at all of it. Um, and so just sort of decided, all right, I guess I'm going to get into it. And um, ironically was helping a friend of mine who runs a winery um, do a harvest. And there's a bunch of turkeys near where this vineyard was. And I thought, well, hey, I mean, this seems like a, a good opportunity. <laughs> so um, that's actually how I, start, I started just with uh, turkey hunting um, and only turkey hunting for about my first five years uh, of hunting. So anytime that I'm talking to someone that started hunting later in life, right, that didn't grow up in an immersive hunting family, my immediate question then turned after how did you start turns into how did the people around you respond to you starting to hunt? Right. Because, yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up in a hunting family. No one that I associate with questions why I hunt or the fact that I hunt because the, they've been exposed to it somehow. Right. But you, I, I still meet people that are like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, why do you hunt? Like, what's what's the person? So, you know, I'm meeting those people just out in the world. I mean, people right next to you are probably thinking the same thing. Like, why all of a sudden are you starting this now? So you know, did you get those questions? And then like, was it the, just the same answer that you just gave me of why you wanted to give it a shot? I mean, that was part of the answer. Um, but honestly, once I got started, you know, once you get into it, then it's like, okay, why do you continue? And, and that's a very deep rabbit hole because obviously the motivations behind each hunter can vary dramatically. Um, and my motivations have changed over the last 10 to 12 years that I've you know, been a hunter. Um, but yeah, I started out with food, right? I mean, like, and so, yeah, I had a few kind of quizzical looks, <laughs> um, but you know, um, you always seem to defeat those with quote unquote venison diplomacy, or at least in my first year's turkey diplomacy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you show up with a, a nice wild turkey and, and it tastes so amazing and people go, wow, that's, that's really cool. You got this yourself. Um, and my, my mom, I should mention also, she kind of grew up in kind of rural farm area. So she was used to, um, you know, taking care of chickens and, and, and that type of slaughter. And so like when I took my first turkey, the first thing I did is I actually drove to her place because I was like, I literally don't know how to clean this thing. And she walked me through it and was making fun of me about how slow I was at, this, at plucking this thing because she was used to doing it on the farm with, with her mom. And, and I was like, yeah, well, I didn't grow up like you. But yeah, um, Definitely still occasionally get some quizzical looks, especially since I've moved into big game. And I think my family still kind of thinks it's a little unusual, but ultimately um, everyone loves the meat. And, and I think they see the, the positive nature it has just on my outlook on life and the ability to kind of just be self-sufficient, but also just, you know, it makes me a, a happier, better person. And so I think that they all, you know, they respect that. Um, None of them so far have wanted to come along. Although my nephew, actually, I should add my, my very young nephew, who's uh, now, he's eight now. He's, uh, he's got a Nerf bow and he likes to come in the backyard when I'm shooting the bow. And, and I think, uh, so it's, that's new to me, by the way, because I know, Jason, you, you, like you said, you grew up kind of, that was how you grew up, right? It was like watching it and wanting to be a part of it. And so it's kind of neat for me to have this little, this little shadow now going like, I want to do this. I want to go hunt. I want to do that. And I'm just like, whoa, what, what, this is very awkward for me it's totally different than my upbringing but um yeah sorry i'm sort of digressing but yeah so essentially most of the initially it was just about food um and then it became about the experiences and the things i got to see and the places i got to go and so um my family definitely understands again i don't think that any of them are going to do it with me necessarily but they uh they all sort of they get it and they love it so so uh, this is something I find to be a pretty big talking point um, whenever it comes to like trying to mentor new hunters. Uh, what do you start them out with, right? Like what do we do to, uh, or, or anyone that's going, that's trying to start hunting, like what do you take them for? What's going to give them the best experience? What's going to um, hopefully enable them to be successful, but then also continue to hunt afterwards. And, you know, some people, uh, you mentioned Steve Ranella. He's big on turkey hunting, right? Because you have that spring turkey, you have that big gobble, um, the, you know, that Tom's putting on a show. 
you know, that's, there's also a little bit of almost a disconnect from that animal, right? Uh, I find, and a lot of people find a lot of beauty in a wild turkey, but let's be honest, when you look at their, when you, I mean, when you look at their heads, they're ugly, right? Yeah, um, feathers now, are beautiful. The, the feathers, feathers are beautiful, right? So yeah. there's that disconnect. Like it, it seems for a lot of new hunters, um, shooting a turkey doesn't pull the heartstrings as much as shooting, right. you know, a deer or an elk or especially a bear. Um, and then you have the other, you have another camp that says small game is a good way to go because they're moving. Um, you know, again, there's a little bit less of a connection to these animals. They're not deemed as cute. Uh, you've made that switch to big game. You know, yeah. It sounds to me like the, the turkey hunting was more of an opportunity, right? You just, there was an opportunity there. So you took it. What were your thoughts switching to big game? <laughs> you know, and, and how did, how did that play out? If you've been, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that you've been successful uh, in big game hunting, you know, how does that play out in your head? And is it something you're going to, that you're, that you've continued to do after it's taken that first animal? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I definitely started with turkeys because of the opportunity and the higher success opportunities. Right. I mean, um, and so I think that a lot of new hunters that I've taken and, and I've taken, I, I, I've lost count of the number of adult hunters that I've now taken out. And the most common thing I do is I take them turkey hunting. Um, you know, I have a number of farmers and they aren't too, pleased always to have the turkeys. And Oregon, we have uh, it's either the longest or second longest total turkey season in the nation, actually, because we have a spring and a fall season. So we have a lot of opportunity for turkey in Oregon. Um, and so that success allows you to be to have more enjoyment. Let's be realistic. It's not fun to go out and, and be unsuccessful for years on end, right? I mean, you start to get frustrated and it's, it's not enjoyable just to be out there. I mean, yes, it's nice to be outside, but at the same time, if you're spending all this money and time, if you're never successful, that starts to get frustrating. Uh, and so I, I do think that small game and turkeys are a great way to start. Turkeys, especially at least in my state, because they're plentiful and success ratios are pretty high. And, and there's a lot of people also who will help you out with turkey, because again, I think as you mentioned, you know, big game is a whole other thing. And so people can be a little more um, exclusive when it comes to big game versus turkey. If someone says, hey, I need some help, people are like, yeah, let's go get you a bird. Um, as far as big game, yeah, I love big game now. It's my primary. Um, I did intentionally take um, a while. I ended up taking five years of just turkey hunting. Um, there wasn't a specific, you know, number of years in mind, but I knew that I wanted to wait before I got into big game because I knew it would be, for me, something intense, right? I mean, this is a big, fuzzy, warm mammal, you know, bleeding out in your lap, so to speak, you know, and and having no real um, conceptual idea of what that was gonna be like, right? And I talked to a buddy of mine who was a hunter and he said, oh, it'll be, it could, it could be tough is what he said. He said, not necessarily, but he said, but it could be. Um, and so I, you know, I spent five years just turkey hunting before I went deer hunting and, uh, and took my first deer my first year. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy. I won't say that it was tough in the sense where I was like really racked, but it definitely was, um, an experience. That's a long, a long story on its own. And I definitely, there was a moment of panic and you know, worry and all the things and, and then having to haul the animal out and, and just not totally understanding what I was getting into, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, again, without having someone there with me being on my own, um, it was a big challenge. And so um, that's a big inhibition for a lot of new hunters, be they young or old. Um, there's a lot of barriers to entry. And one of them is simply the pure uh, logistics of it. It's not, it's not necessarily about going out in the woods and finding something to shoot. It's like, okay, how do I get there? What do I do? And what's this whole process about? Yeah. You, you mentioned that process. Yeah. And that, that's for me as an East coast hunter that owns property that we manage the property, like my hunting life is so much easier compared to Western <laughs> hunting, right? Like I'm not going on multi-mile hikes. I'm not, quartering up and packing out animals. Um, the, the, we do have elk in Pennsylvania, but, um, you know, the chances of, of drawing an elk tag are pretty slim. Uh, so my main quarry is white-tailed deer, turkey. You mentioned the, the ease of turkey, you know, um, high success rates, not so much for me. 
Uh, or, <laughs> you know, Pennsylvania also has uh, fall and spring, although the fall is the fall season has been changing lately um, just because turkey numbers aren't what they used to be. They're trying to manage that, all that good stuff. But um, we've, you know, have been blessed with with great turkey hunting. Um, you know, so when people talk to me about it, you know, the act of, of pulling the trigger is not difficult for me. Um, because once I see a deer that I decide I'm going to take that animal, there's almost like a robotic procedure that, that goes in place. And, and part of that probably has to do with, I've been doing it for, I've been hunting for over 25 years. I've taken so, you know, a, a, my fair share of deer up to this point. So, you know, there's a step-by-step process that I go through sometimes unknowingly um, just because I'm so used to the, the procedures that I need to take. It's those moments afterwards for me that I, I, I keep going back to the word remorse, but it's not remorse. Um, it, it's just that, that feeling of consequences, right, of that act of pulling the trigger. Uh, and then I give myself, you know, a couple minutes, however long I need based on how I'm feeling that particular day, um, you know, to process those emotions. And then all of a sudden it's right back to that sort of robotic procedure of, like you said, now the, the work, the logistics of getting that animal out of the woods, processed down right into the freezer. You know, there's a lot of work that goes in there. Um, you know, you mentioned you've taken adult hunters out. I've, you know, helped get multiple people into the woods as well. And I actually had one um, mentee who shot a deer and was super excited at first and then immediately was without a doubt remorseful. Like was, was as we were taking care of the deer, um, getting it out of the woods was telling me like, I'm never doing that again. And my advice to this person was, I, I get what you're going through right now. My advice is to wait on that decision. Let's go through the process of breaking down this deer, getting it in the freezer, and let's, the two of us together, we cooked a meal that night from that meat. I said, after you try it, then make that decision. Because for a lot of people like you, food is the key, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, if the purpose of hunting is food, let's get, let's wait till we get to the point where we have actually eaten, you know, the animal that we've taken um, and then make that decision of whether we could do it again or not. Um, That person's gone out a couple more times, um, hasn't actually, you know, pulled the trigger on a deer. Turkey's fine, small game's fine, but there's just something about deer that, that it is just hard for that person, which I'm okay with, right? Like we need to make educated decisions on what's best for ourselves and for that person, you know, shooting yeah. another deer just hasn't been something that, that they can bring themselves to do, which I fully respect. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, of mini moments or, or encapsulated moments in the entire hunt process, right? Kind of like what you're mentioning there. Like the, I have had many adult hunters say to me, like, I'm not sure I could actually pull the trigger and, and kill an animal. And my answer to them is I believe everyone in the world can kill an animal, even with a, an, a bow. I mean, you know, even though it's a very different process, I think everyone in the world, if it comes down to it and you absolutely have to, yeah, I believe that we can do it. We have that ability as human beings. It's part of our, our coding, however we want to look at it. I'm not saying that we're wired to hunt. Um, I'm just saying we have the, the ability to do it. And whether you like it or not, that's up to you. And like you brought up for that person, yeah, each moment is encapsulated. The pulling the trigger, then you run up to it and geez, do you find it right away or not, right? First off, and that's a whole process. And then once you've found it, then the processing, then the hauling, then back at home with the processing of meat and, and packaging. I mean, each moment encapsulates the whole hunt. And you know, you're absolutely right with that person. It's like, yeah, go through the whole process and see what the whole process is about. And, 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 you know, and for most new hunters, again, regardless of the age, for most new hunters, it's still about um, the experience of being outside and being part of nature and the food. You know, most new hunters are not concerned with a trophy animal or, you know, they'll, they'll, it's, if it's legal, they want to, they want to harvest, right? 
And I encourage new hunters in that manner too, when I'm working with them, because yeah, the whole point is, is to get that valuable experience to have those arrows in your quiver, so to speak, <laughs> and, and be able to understand that process and relate to it. And then also decide, yeah, do I want to continue this or not? Is it for me? Um, you know, I, I was chatting with you before we got on here about a couple of hunters I've taken with me and, and a couple of them are now avid squirrel and turkey hunters. And I don't think they're going to do anything else. They've done grouse too, I guess, but I don't think they're ever going to go for, for big game. They just really enjoy shotgun hunting for, for turkey and squirrels and things like that. And great. Now they love, they love wild game meat. Like they're happy if I'm willing to share and that's something that they just value. But at the same time, just, you know, the mentality of it, the, what they want out of hunting for them, that's not part of it you know, and again, the only reason I did it was to decide if I could and wanted to, right? I, I couldn't make the decision that I didn't want to without doing it. Um, again, you, you, you might want to do that, but my, I would encourage anyone to have that experience first or to even just go with someone, even if you don't want to do it, just go with them and watch them do it. And then you can decide, hey, is this something I kind of want to get more into or not? Um, but limiting your experience that way, I mean, I just never look at it, that as a benefit in my mind. But. Well, you know, like we heard, uh, like everyone heard in um, the intro, uh, you, uh, so you're an adult onset hunter, but you're the, you're the type of person that seems to jump in with both feet. Uh, so yeah, you, pretty much. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. you got into the conservation side, like you, you, you know, it's more than just buying a license and going hunting for you. Um, and the reason why we even started our discussions on Facebook uh, was because I was, taken aback that or the state of Oregon does not require hunter education for every hunter. Um, yeah. So can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and obviously again, I'm a, I'm a hunter education instructor. I've been doing that for ooh, five years now, I think I'd have to check. <laughs> they give you all sorts of little pins and stuff, but um, yeah. So in Oregon, if you are under 18 and you want to go hunt, actually between 12 and 18, um, you have to take hunter education and, and you know, you want to go out there and actually you're required to wear um, orange even unless it's um, uh, bird season since birds see color, they don't require that. But, um, but once you're over 18 or 18 or over, you can just take a, actually you don't have to take anything. If you want to, you can do an online course, but you're not required to take any sort of course, any sort of hunter education not even required to wear um, safety orange. We're one of the few states that doesn't have any orange requirement for, uh, for big game for adults, um, which again, people usually go, what? Um, <laughs> and I wear orange, mind you. I, I actually, I wear a lot of orange. Um, but um, yeah, and so, um, sorry, I diverged for a second there. So yeah, I mean, basically though, hunter education I think is important and it's valuable. I mean, while you and I had chatted about that, it is definitely many classes are kind of geared towards uh, the youth um, in the sense that families bring their kids in to, to get an understanding. And also because it's, I think, a requirement, um, it's a valuable thing. And the reason I joined it is I wanted to give back and I wanted to make sure that people understood, especially even from my perspective, being someone who hadn't hunted before, why I felt it was valuable, right? Like I took it because I wanted to understand it. Like, again, I had no concept, I'll be honest. I mean, yeah, look, everyone has a concept. Don't point a gun at someone, right? I mean, I think that's, we've heard that since we were kids, but it's not the same as when you have a class that goes over that and really dictates that to you. I mean, and then goes through it. And then like when we do field days, like we're really, really on top of it. I mean, we, we've taken, you know, guns away from people and just said, yeah, nope, here, here's a stick. <laughs> like, cause you can't keep your finger off the trigger. You don't get a hold of this because, you know, we just don't, we don't know what you're doing then. And, and, and then going through just some of the oddities and some of the stories and some of the, you know, like doing, we do a, a field walk, you know, as far as far as a field day. And so we put like, we'll put an orange vest kind of back in the woods and then we'll put a deer dummy in front of it and say, hey, is everyone going to take this shot? And, you know, some people invariably say, yeah. And then you're like, you sure you're going to, you know, and, and that's the point is being aware of your surroundings and, and learning those things. And if you don't have the experience with that, if you didn't grow up with it, then it's completely foreign. 
And those things are just variables that just aren't even in your periphery. And so that's, that's, that's why it's so important, I think, for really everyone to kind of go through it and to understand it. And, and you know, fortunately, um, you know, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife has made a real effort, not only to, of course, make sure that um, youth is engaged in hunter education, but they do have a lot of outreach for adults as well to just, you know, make sure that they, you know, again, they don't have to take the class, but they have a lot of other classes that really are oriented around that. They have small game workshops, they have a big game workshop, and all of these, they still kind of go over those safety atmosphere as well and recommend at a minimum the online course as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording that, you know, the activity of hunting is in and of itself dangerous, if not taken seriously. Um, whether that's like you, like, people in the West hiking in miles into the wilderness, right? Um, that in itself, if you don't take it seriously, can be dangerous. Or someone like myself who's climbing 20 feet up in a tree, that can be dangerous too if I don't take it seriously. And then add in firearms or you know bows and arrows that have very, very sharp points to them, right? And, and broadheads, if we're not acting appropriately, it can be dangerous. So... I mean, I, I understand the idea that we need to, we're doing everything that we can to try to bolster the numbers uh, of hunters, you know, and try to stem this sort of decline that we've had uh, in the last 20 or so years. But it really concerns me to try to bolster those numbers at the expense of teaching people just general safety. Uh, that I can just really see that being a huge issue uh, in the future, if we don't have those gaps filled, you know, and at least offer the opportunity, if we don't at least require it. Yeah, well, it's it's almost more, it's even more than safety, because I think no one wants to go in the woods and be unsafe. No one wants to go in the field. No one wants to hunt unsafely. No one's out there just, you know, no one, maybe there's somebody, but I don't, I've never met anyone, regardless of their political or personal atmosphere that they just want to go kind of be crazy. But again, if you don't know, you don't even know the questions to ask. And again, that doesn't matter your age, right? And so it's really important to have that kind of um, basis of, of toolbox, right? I mean, and, and so that's why that type of hunter education and hunter safety is so important. And there's a lot of barriers to learning that stuff. If you're not, if you don't come from you know, a traditional family, like you may have had your dad saying, you know, like, hey, don't point the gun anywhere other than where you're going to shoot it and keep your finger off that trigger. And if I ever see you put your finger on that trigger, I'm taking it away from you and I'll give you the backside of my belt or something. I don't know. But <laughs> um, whereas for someone like me, again, I had zero firearm experience, you know, growing up. I mean, I literally, I'd, I'd shot a gun or two, but that was it like once or twice in my entire life. And so suddenly to own a shotgun and then eventually a, you know, a high powered rifle was, was a very different experience and quite honestly intimidating, you know, just the act of doing that is intimidating because there's something we say in, in, in Hunter Ed that still rings really true to me is that we always say to the students, we say, Hey, what does a, a pencil have on the backside? And, and people say, well, an eraser. And we say, well, what's an erasers for? And they say, for, for wiping out mistakes. And we're like, right. And in the field, there's no eraser. Once something happens, once that trigger goes off, you know, or, or arrow release, there's no bringing that back. <laughs> so, um, so we're really cognizant about that. And, 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 you know, and again, that's just one of those things though. It's, it's, I don't look at it as, you know, and, and, and I don't want people to feel like they should be forced to do it. Cause then it becomes a, that is one thing I will say, I actually like the way Oregon does it because like once you're over 18, if you're forced to do hunter ed, I mean, Yes, I believe that everyone should take it, but forcing someone to do it tends to shut people down a little bit, in my opinion, and in my experience, right? It's sort of like, oh, yeah, okay, I have to do this. I'm just going to go through it and take whatever test I have to take and pass it. And does it actually stick then? I don't know. I suppose that depends on the on the teachers and, and, and how they approach the lessons. Um, or if it's an online thing, then maybe not, right? Because you can read through that pretty quick, probably take a test and look, if you're half paying attention, do fine. And then but does that actually impart the, the lessons? And so um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to educate people on, uh, on, on hunting and the outdoors and, and safety and conservation. And it, it isn't always just this formulaic, 
you know, read this chapter and take a test. So, yeah, I guess maybe it's my sort of education background that makes me think that, you know, if we can require the kids, we can, or not the kids, but we can require everyone, right. That, um, you know, as the educator, as the instructor, I can get them to be, uh, influenced and, and, and excited about it. Um, and quite honestly, I think when it comes to hunting, I think it resonates even more with me with Hunter Ed because I typically see either kids or even when we do get a couple adults, it's ine- inevitably we're going to get in my classes, you know, two or three adults in the class every, every time that we have it. And they always ask the best questions. You know, the kids want to ask all kinds of questions that are very typical for questions that kids are going to ask but it's the adults that ask the questions that I can't just answer quick like I have to actually think about it for a second okay how how am I how should I answer this what what information do I need to you know parlay for them and um, it's just very in-depth and oftentimes like ethical and moral questions that right there's not like a definitive yes or no. It's very, it's a lot of gray areas in there and you have to talk to them, you know, sort of talk them through what their own answer is in that situation. Um, So that's, like I said, maybe that's just the educate educator background in me thinking like, Oh, if we could just get them in there, we could, you know, get the information we need. You know, it, it, you mentioned, you know, that no one wants to go into the woods or into the field and like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And just like, oh, caution to the wind, um, which, you know, makes me think back of a couple of times. Anytime that there's ever been a scare, I put in air quotes, right, um, where someone has muzzle swept me or something like that. Um, it's always in the moments that you're not actively thinking about proper right. firearm safety or anything like that. Uh, you know, the deer is down um, or the deer is, you know, running after it got shot or, um, you know, you're trying to get through some thick brush while you're bird hunting or something like that. Um, now, I'll also say that the couple of people that ha- that I have watched muzzle swept me um, in the field, most of the time it has been small game hunting. And uh, of the, I think, four people that I can remember that have done that, three of them I will no longer hunt with. Um, because the first time I always like, Hey, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then once they do it a second time, I'm done. Like I'm, you're, we're not, we're not hunting buddies anymore. Um, you're a little too careless for, for yeah, you're even to be out me. with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's not why I go yeah. out. Like, I don't, I don't want that, you know, and that's something that, that we talk about as instructors here, at least in my class of Pennsylvania is that, you know, the guns have safeties on them. Um, you know, obviously a bow can't be shot unless you, you know, pull it back, you know, a crossbow has a safety on it, but even those safeties, they're mechanical, right? And yeah, just yeah. like the brakes on your car, like yeah, they can fail. something yeah. that's mechanical can fail. So it's not just, you know, well, it doesn't, you know, it's no big deal. The, the safety was on. No, it's still a big deal because that, you know, that's how accidents happen is when we're not thinking about it. Um, and whenever we're relying too much on, you know, a man-made safety device, which, you know, we still, you know, listen, I climbed 20 feet up in a tree. I put a harness on, right. Hmm. But uh, someone made that harness. I'm not, you know, just like leaning out and like having the harness, you know, hang from the harness. I'm, I'm still trying to be safe and careful with my movements as well. Uh, So what is BHA's role with Hunter Ed in Oregon? I know that, you know, you mentioned that ODFW, you know, puts on a lot of um, courses and, and things to, help introduce people and give them information, but how does BHA fit into that? Yeah. And, and for those that, because uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, for those that aren't familiar with BHA, it's uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. It's a national organization um, that is really uh, oriented around public lands and public land access. Um, you know, the whole idea that the, everyone has the ability and should have the availability to have opportunity. Um, but they also do a lot with conservation and with equity. And, and the nice thing in kind of being both a volunteer for them and ODFW is that I've been, I've been able to kind of merge those, those groups and passions. And so I've been able to kind of work together with both of them because it's, it's beneficial to both, you know, it's a win-win. And so uh, as a perfect example, you know, this last fall, um, we, it, I know that other groups have done it 
um, around the nation, but Oregon hadn't had the opportunity yet. So we did a adult hunter workshop because again, it's just different, right? And there's a different atmosphere if you're spending time with a bunch of adults than you're one adult in a class of kids, right? Um, it just, it's just different. It just is like, you know, if you were in a, a, a math class with a bunch of 10 year olds, you know, and everyone kept saying to you, what's three plus three after a while, it might be kind of like, uh, I'm just gonna sit here. Um, so we, we just said, look, we want to remove some of the barriers for newer adult hunters. I think that, and this is a personal thing too, you know, this is personal uh, opinion or viewpoint is that, um, you know, living in a city, I live in, in, in Beaverton, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland. So it's a pretty big city, at least in my mind. Um, and growing up, not a hunter and getting into it, I see more and more people in cities wanting to do things like this, wanting to have a better understanding of their environment and what's going on around them. But again, how do they even start? Oh yeah, they know they have to take a hunter ed test. Great. Which they can do online, <laughs> you know, and then what? Again, there's not, there's no, there's no lead into the next step. And one of the biggest barriers is, is finding someone who can either mentor you or at least give you some information or even where to find the information. And so, yeah, we've started doing that. And then Oregon BHA also has a number of sort of what we call pint nights or virtual pint nights where we invite guests in. We go over a number of topics. We just did one on our fall and winter turkey hunting and kind of how to use uh, the state actually has a private land re reservation system so that you can actually go online where farmers have volunteered and said, hey, we want people to come on here and remove some of these turkeys and you sign up for that and then they you talk to the owner and they tell you where to hunt and it's a good lesson right both on on interaction with the public but also again what you know positives and negatives these, this wildlife is doing on the environment right I mean because that does damage farms especially when there's large flocks of 100 birds or more I mean that can really create some challenges for a farmer so um so I mean it's it's all it's all part of that kind of outreach and that learning opportunity. But so BHA has been really involved with ODFW on that and, and doing these workshops and doing this adult hunter ed. And, and you know, we did a, we did also, we did a, um, oh, I, I mentioned to you, I have a couple of friends who have gotten into hunting and, and uh, um, one of them is a winemaker. And we did a thing with him where we did a wild food and wine game night where we just basically, and, and people were just, and most of these people were not hunters. They were blown away when they would taste these, this wild game and they would say, wow, you, you, you guys shot this and made this food? And we're like, yeah. And they were like, this is, this is incredible. Um, and in fact, one of the most amazing things was one of the most popular dishes was, uh, was a, uh, a bear, a bear um, stroganoff, which, uh, you know, a lot of people, again, we talked about kind of that megafauna, cute, fuzzy <laughs> eyelashes, eyes forward type thing. A lot of people have real issues um, with bear hunting or predator hunting, but uh, everyone there who got to taste it was just blown away and they thought it was some of the best thing that they'd ever eaten. So um, so there's that type of outreach, both through Fish and Game and through BHA, that not only is directly to hunters, of course, but also to those in the environment around us, right? Because we do have to recognize that we have a responsibility to be good stewards for our, our sport and our passions. Um, and so, yeah, the, the combination there has been really, really a positive, uh, both on the public, I hope, but also just for me in general, I just really enjoy it. So. Yeah, I love hearing organizations and, and agencies doing this kind of work because they're sharing information that someone like myself takes for granted. Um, mm. You know, the whole process of finding out what is legal, what's not, you know, what's illegal, um, the whole process of finding a place to hunt, uh, the whole process of of what do you do after you take an animal, you know, like that's something I grew up with. I know how to process a deer. I know how to cook the meat. I know how to look in the book for the regulations. Um, when I, I know when the licenses go on sale every year, right. And what licenses I need to buy and, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, but I, I understand now that not everyone knows that, right. Like yeah. not everyone, if you didn't grow up with all that information, being readily available because your family took part in that activity, then how would you know? 
to do all that stuff. So I love hearing different organizations and even agencies, you know, taking the initiative to make sure that these new hunters, you know, can find that information. Here's how you find it. Here's what you do, um, you know, to at least get them started. And then they can hopefully, you know, continue to develop that expertise as they continue to hunt and be hunters in the community. Yeah, I mean, you have to open the doors, right? Because again, if you're just walking down, I mean, for a, an analogy, if you were walking down a hallway with a bunch of doors and none of them had any numbers on them, you, 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 okay, someone said, hey, I go in the door and, and you'll be in the right area. Well, which one? I mean, you, and then are you knocking <laughs> on the door? Which, uh, you know, I think all of us would feel a little awkward just knocking on random doors. So uh, like I said, there's a lot of barriers to 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 entry of, of this activity. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it, it's really important to remove those and, and to at least just provide the resources so that, okay, now I know where to ask the questions. I may not, you know, I'm not going to just hand someone the answer to something because again, this is their experience and they need to figure it out in the way that works for them for the reasons that they're doing it. That's a big thing I will say is that I don't want to dictate to someone, well, here's how you should hunt. And here's why you should hunt. No, because you know, the, again, there's so many different types of hunting. Like some people totally don't like predator hunting, you know, for like coyotes and things like that. And that's not something that's a big part of my, my hunting career, at least yet. But I'm also not going to tell someone who does that, that, that what they're doing is, is wrong. If, if, if to them, that's why they do it and what they want to do for the motivations they have, then good for them for being involved. So um, that's. I feel, I feel like that's a very healthy mindset you know, the, to allowing, you know, people, as long as they can, um, as long as they can voice their reason why, and, and, and the reason why it's important to do that for them. Right. There's no, well, and they're going to, and they're going to grow and change. Cause like, when, again, when I started out, I started out purely as a meat hunter. I mean, if it was legal, <laughs> it was in season. Um, the first one I saw of whatever it might be like a deer, I was just like, it's a legal buck. Guess what? I'm taking it. And over my hunting career, which actually isn't that long, I've turned animals down now where I'm just like, you know, I enjoy being out here hunting almost more than the take or it's situational. Do I need, do I really need the meat? How full is my freezer? Or am I in a unit where I think, no, there's, there's better animals in here. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass on an animal, which some people still like, how can you pass on an animal? And I'm just like, well, that's just me. I'm not telling you, you have to do that. Um, and for, again, for most beginners, I encourage them just to harvest whatever is legal, um, as long as they're doing it in a safe and, and ethical way, then I say go for it. Because again, um, there's so much to be learned from those processes, kind of like you were mentioning with your friends. So um, you don't have to try and shoot that, that trophy elk or, or deer on the, on the first day. Yeah. And, you know, that, that evolution as a hunter isn't the same for everyone. Um, Correct. you know, obviously, yeah. and even, you know, someone like me, I, I, I've sort of had that evolution where now it's more about management for me. And, and, you know, as far as like what bucks I take, I, I tend to sort of try to go for an older, older age class one to make it a little more difficult and two to, because of, you know, sort of herd management aspects, but then even, you know, this year having, you know, a young son, knowing I had limited time, um, and just, deciding, you know what, this year, I'm going to loosen some of those self-imposed restrictions I have. Um, and I took a younger buck than I have for the past six years. Uh, but that was okay. Like I was still happy to, to take that buck. Um, and it, you know, it, it got me excited. So, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not just a straight line, you know, and, yeah, that evolution. Absolutely not. It, and it's not always the same distance of evolutions. Every hunter is going to be a little bit different, a little unique, as long as they're doing it legally, um, you know, that how can they go wrong? My, my last question is my hardest hitting question for you. Oh, goody. <laughs> if you could boil all the uh, thoughts on hunting and be being a hunter that, you know, came into the game sort of late in, later in life, what is your one piece of advice for someone who's considering hunting later in life? What's that one magic piece of advice that you're like, this is what they need to know. It's going to sound really just, just silly. Go hunt. Because like I said to you, like you don't know what you don't know. So you can spend 
hours and days. Like you could watch YouTube, you could watch, you know, media, Randy Newberg, I don't care who, uh, Hush, whatever. There's a bazillion, right? There's Winchester TV. I mean, you, you could, you can watch all of that and try and understand. And yeah, it, it, it helps. Don't get me wrong. When I started turkey hunting, once I chose the species, I watched every piece of digestible content I could to give me a leg up because I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, but, but until you've even decided, like if you don't know what you're even starting with, then just go hunt. Um, and that's, that's a big barrier. Um, depending again on where you're at, right? So it might be easier someone who's out east who's got a ton of friends who maybe go hunt whitetail versus out here where someone may live in, in downtown Seattle, just as an example. And, and suddenly they're like, I want to go hunt. Well, there's no wildlife near downtown Seattle as, as you and I think of it. There are certainly animals around, but not in the sense of huntable animals. And so then you've got to figure out, well, who do I even link up with and there's there's organizations right there's there's backcountry hunters and anglers there's you know rocky mountain elk there's um oregon has what we call the oregon hunters association i'm assuming there's something similar in washington and so there are organizations and clubs um you know that i think can be really helpful in that case to just again just go along even if you don't want to hunt just going along to get started and just experience is going to be kind of eye-opening and from that I think is where someone will get all the questions that's also why I like again doing these 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 classes um you know I, I do know that one of the persons on our on our social media recently and it was interesting to me she she uh, pinned that she hadn't even really started hunting yet she was a member of backcountry hunters and anglers and she's like oh I hope to start hunting this year and I thought that's awesome because again she's doing in my mind again she's doing the right thing she's She's finding the, the experience and getting the questions through that experience rather than just saying like, I'm just gonna start, but I have no idea what I'm starting with. Um, and if you do know, then great. I mean, I had another friend who uh, I think he's a bit nuts, but he was like, ah, you know, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be a bow hunter for elk. And he went out and bought a bow. And I was like, all right, well, so you're gonna start with the hardest thing possible, but uh, you know what? Good for you, man, if that's what you want and you're gonna be all in and oh, he's gone to Idaho three times now. Um, so. Oh, I mean, good for him, right? I mean, he went all in, but he had a he had a concept, he had a vision, um, and so that's that's his vision. But if you don't know your vision and you don't even sure what to get started with, then that can be a real big barrier. And so, yeah, to wrap it all back up, it it sounds really silly, but just go hunt, um, experience, and those questions will always outweigh any um, any equipment, right? Um, any, any, someone telling you how to do something, um, you know, people always say, oh yeah, I need, I need, I need to have this boot and I need to think about this caliber or, or this bow. And I'm just like, no, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It, it can make it more pleasurable or, or easier at times, but ultimately, um, the doing is, is that experience is what's going to give you the most amount of ability, even if it's just experiencing getting questions. So. I, I like it. Just go do it. Right. <laughs> go go out and give it a try. It's, and again, that's not easy. I'm not saying that's like, and that's why I've gotten so involved. And that's why I've, I've you know, I've, I've even just posted on my own personal, like social media and just like, Hey, if anyone ever wants to go hunt or fish, just, you know, send me a message, raise a hand, give me a call. I'm happy to like chat with you about it and start taking you out there. So. That's great. Joel, uh, we got a hard stop and I appreciate your time and, and talking about this. This is, uh, this has been great. And uh, thanks for coming on. No, I appreciate it. And I hope everyone just, uh, you know, has a, a taste for kind of what you're doing out there and, and with the conservation and just uh, trying to understand our places and, and, and just getting a, getting a taste of it. Before we keep going, a real quick question for you. Are you concerned with urban sprawl? Are you concerned with the threat of our increased human presence as put on wildlife and wild spaces? If so, an easy next step for you to try to help with this situation is to visit our Patreon page and become a monthly supporter. If you like this podcast, if you would like to help form a new nonprofit that helps combat and mitigate the effects of urbanization, visit patreon.com slash conserve the wild. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash conserve the wild. Go visit today and become a sponsor. A big thank you to Joel for coming on. I had a great time talking with him, both uh, you know before we started recording, while we were recording, and then even a little bit after. Uh, you know, even though we had a little bit of a hard stop, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, when it comes to when it comes to this kind of topic, when it comes to new hunters, when it comes to getting people involved, um, you know, hunting in and of itself is inherently dangerous. Um, you know, there's firearms, there's weapons designed to kill. Uh, you know, there, there's there's things that we're using designed to kill. Oftentimes, we're hiking into remote locations, we're climbing trees, whatever the case may be. Uh, danger is there. Uh, it's a controlled danger, right? But the danger is is still sort of there. So we need to do everything we can to make sure that we individually are safe. But then new hunters learn how to participate in this activity in a safe manner. And the easiest way to do that is to teach them face-to-face in person. COVID has, you know, brought a lot of challenges to that. And a lot of the easy fixes have been to, you know, expand online learning, which is great. If people want to get on, let's make the, make it as easy as possible. Like we talked about in the episode, there are so many barriers for people to start hunting if they don't grow up in a hunting family or have that like personal connection of a mentor easily available. So let's do everything we can to remove as many barriers as possible, but we need to just make sure we're not doing it at the expense of safety and teaching that person the correct way, the ethical way, the moral way, the safe way to go about hunting. And I love the fact that the Oregon chapter of backcountry hunters and anglers have really stepped in and said, hey, you know what? This is something that could be an issue. Let's help out. Uh, it's wonderful to see volunteers doing that. If you're listening to this and either you are interested in hunting and you've never been hunting before, or you know someone who might be, I have provided a link down in the episode details for you to find a hunter education class near you. Uh, click on that link, find the state that you're trying to get certified in, and you can find both in-person and online classes available to you. I highly recommend you go through the process. Uh, even if you don't go through with actually hunting, it's a real eye-opener and it's a great educational experience. Uh, I'm a little biased hunter ed instructor, but still, I think it, it, it's something that everyone should take advantage of. So make sure you click that link. And until next week, get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild.